Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Curb Appeal. You know it when you see it. And with the Home Depot, today is the day for doing. Boost your curb appeal with the best brands at the best prices. From new garage doors to colorful flowers. Exterior lights to a new coat of paint. Inspiration to installation. You can do it or let the Home Depot do it for you. Visit homedepot.com slash services for more information on installing your next project. The Home Depot. More saving. More doing. U.S. only. See store for details. Podcast One presents Let Lisa Help. Former insult comic Lisa Lampanelli is now a full-fledged life coach, and she wants to help you whether you like it or not. Join the former queen of mean as she continues her journey as the queen of meaning. She'll share her life experiences, the tools she's learned along the way, and a healthy dose of humor. So if you have a problem, let Lisa help. And now, here's your host, Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, it's Lisa Lampanelli, and welcome to Let Lisa Help on the show today. We are going to, as usual, have a fantastic guest co-host in the studio. It is M. Schultz from the fabulous podcast, and that's why we drink 45 million downloads and counting. This guy, he's going to tell us how it works. He is trans. He is proud. He has pronouns that I don't even understand, but he's going to explain it with patience to a bitch like me. Stay tuned. Let Lisa help. This is Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody. It's Lisa Lampanelli, the former queen of mean, now the queen of meaning. And welcome to my podcast, Let Lisa Help. Yeah, that's right. Let me help whether you like it or not. That's what I used to be, people. I used to force my help and advice onto unsuspecting passersby, friends and family. And after no one would talk to me anymore, I decided to do it for a living. So instead of insulting people from the stage, damn it, I... I'm now life coaching with a sort of mission. And that mission is to not work too hard. So that's why I'm doing a podcast because really nothing's easier. Right, Em? My special (laughs) guest does nothing but podcasts. He is a fantastic half of the podcast. And that's why we drank, which, by the way, also stars my niece, Kristen. M. Schultz is here. Like, I know. It just sounded like I like her better, but I don't. It's okay. She's coming on after me, and you can tell her when I'm gone how much you love her. So. That's true. That's true. But I do love M. Now, M is terrific. She met Christine. He met Christine. We did it, out. it for the first time. Don't worry. See, M. We'll, we'll do a we'll What do, a do we call? Marker. M is a trans person. Is that proper to say? Uh, sure. No, I, no, is it? Current, currently, I'm actually trying to figure out oh, my yeah. identity. See, I, this is interesting to me because it's very difficult for people in your situation to figure out what their path is and yes. who they really are. So tell me the different stages you went through. Okay, so uh, a lot. I've come out many times, which it wasn't fun the first time, so mm. it definitely isn't more fun the second and third several times. Wait, so the first time you came out as? First time I came out, I was 15 and I came out as bi, but Mm -hmm. I also came out as bi purely out of fear that I wasn't going to be accepted as someone who only liked women. Okay, Um, so that was essentially you were kind of padding it a little. You were going, you know what, it's just easier to get acceptance and I don't blame you. I think that's great. And that I do feel bad about that now for the bi community because I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of people use them as a crutch when they're in the process of coming out as entirely homosexual. Right. So I feel like I did an injustice to them. But it was Virginia in 2010 where things were a little more conservative. Right. And I kind of got outed in high school and felt the need to tell my mom something right so i right. said oh i'm bi and then before i graduated high school i decided i wanted to come out and say no i'm only interested in women purely because when i came back from college if i was dating a girl i didn't want anyone seeing it as a phase oh i love that i had very strong intentions to make sure that my relationships were taken seriously when i came home right so I, now when you came out the second time was it a, a little easier or yeah. it was still hard because it was another big statement it was easier in some ways and harder in others. It was easier in that I'd already kind of cushioned the blow and I could gauge how people might 
handle it. Mm. But it was harder because I didn't know if because I'm only dating women, if my parents would feel differently about that or maybe they were really banking that I'd end up with a guy. Right. My mom was nothing but supportive. I think she had a good 24 hour cry, but it was purely mm-hmm. because she was worried for my safety in Virginia. Sure. And uh, and then she was fine. And my dad actually, he just he told me that I was gay. <laughs> he, wow. I, I was in the middle of trying to come out to him. And I guess he saw that I was stumbling. And he said, by the way, I know you like women. We're fine with that. Oh, my God. That was so – did you view that as kind? Because I do. Oh, yeah. It was such a relief. I was like, well, if all coming outs could be that easy, yeah, <laughs> no yeah. one would have a problem. Yeah. Um, so that was when I was just identifying as a lesbian. Okay. And I always knew something was off mm. about that. I I even really hated the word lesbian. It felt like it, I didn't identify that way. Mm-hmm. And in college, I was totally out of the closet. But when people would say lesbian to me, it didn't feel right. Right. And – um. I can think all the way back to being a child and knowing that I felt more masculine and I I guess I remember my cousins like going swimming and like getting to take their shirts off. And I remember the day when puberty started hitting and my aunt had to pull me into another room and have me take my shirt off and check that I was still good to go swimming with my boy cousins before I could put a top on. Gotcha. And I remember that was the moment where I felt different Mm. than my boy cousins. Right. I also remember there were times where I told when I had little crushes in first grade and second grade, I remember always saying, I wish I were a boy so I could be your boyfriend. Oh, and it didn't work. <laughs> I didn't yeah. end up dating any of them. <laughs> right. But I, there was all these little things where I remember drawing pictures when I was little of boys and showing them to my mom and saying, I wish I looked like this. Or I remember writing a list of boy names at one point and my mom catching me and I said that they were things I wanted to name my son one day, but they were what I wanted to be called. So little things like that. So now I'm in the process of trying to figure out what the f*** I am. So do you, so you basically, you don't know if you're going to full on have an operation or if you're going to do hormones and all that. You're just kind of going, okay, let me see what happens and how I feel. Yeah. I know I definitely want top surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely, if I, if gender is a spectrum, which it is, I definitely fall towards the masculine end of it. Mm -hmm. But there are some things where I guess my biggest struggle is I have known without a doubt, never questioned it that I was only interested in women. Mm. And I feel like I should have that it, that same confidence in my gender, and I don't. And there's so many transgender people I've met who are so confident, and I knew I was born in the wrong body. I knew I was. Mm. And I don't have that, so it makes me have doubts for myself on, well, am I just non-binary? Am I transgender? I have really am in the process of just figuring out what the heck I am. And it's especially tough now that our my podcast is kind of growing. Now, all mm. of a sudden, I have this attention, and people are regularly asking about my pronouns. They're asking what I am, how I identify, and I don't have an answer. And so I have this added pressure of figuring it out faster. Well, here's what I think. I think you are being so truthful about it that you are figuring it out. And so to rush it would probably be a mistake because then you might make statements that you don't really that you want to take back later. Right. So I think you're exactly, they always say you can't be behind on your own journey. Right. right. So Very this true. is your journey. And guess what? If it's really slow, some people don't even come out as gay until they're in their 50s, 40s, right. 60s. All these women, you read these books about Meredith Baxter, uh, you know, this one and that one. At 50, they met the love of their life. Elizabeth right. Gilbert, these, or was it her? Yeah. And, you know, they'd written these famous books where they were hetero and then all of a sudden they're with a woman. So right. guess what? I think what's great about the world, not the world, but our world that right. we associate with exactly. is a really gentle place. Exactly. And yes, the people who are ignorant are ignorant. But I like that you are just being open and figuring it out because it's great to just kind of let it happen and let it flow. Well, yeah. I And thank you. I appreciate that. I don't think I take enough time to realize that I am probably helping other people mm. um, that are questioning themselves. Mm. I think a lot of people, especially from my perspective, it seems like people who are transgender just always knew and I never got to see their journey. Mm. And so maybe someone out there is watching me not know what's going on and it'll help them try to figure it their own 100%, journey 100%. 150%. I think also, is there such a thing as being a little bit transgender, yes. meaning partially? Yes. Because I never felt transgender, but I always felt like a tomboy. Okay. And we talked yesterday because I'm friends with you off the air. Mm -hmm. And I said to you, you know, 
I don't like that my boobs are too big. I don't right. like that. I want them to be like two sizes smaller. And I was like, should I get breast reduction surgery? Should I get one of those things that like pushes them down a little bit? Because right. I don't want to be overly, I don't know, out there. Or I, they, they, I don't want to lead with them. You know right. what I mean? So there's part of me that goes, oh, I wish I was a boy. Obviously, <laughs> it's not as extreme. For sure. But do you think there's a little, there's some people who are just kind of a little of both? Yeah, well, definitely. I do absolutely believe that gender is a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, And for myself, the part that I'm discovering is there is – so there's – if there's incredibly female and incredibly male and right in the middle is Mm non-binary, I would be somewhere between non-binary and transgender male, which Mm -hmm. I've learned uh, is transmasculine. Okay. So I think that's something I'm kind of leaning towards, but I haven't really discovered it for myself yet. With other people, I think that there's also a spectrum when it comes to body dysmorphia. I think some people mm. may not really like something about themselves, and that's totally fine regardless of how you identify. Right. But I do think in the transgender community, there's a specific case of body dysmorphia. There's at least a category that most of us fit that probably is a different experience than just, oh, I wish this wasn't the case. It's very much like I need this to not be the case. So so do you, when you say I'm definitely getting top surgery? Yes, that I know for sure. Now, why are you so definitive about that? Like, what is it about? you know about yourself above the waist that you don't know about below. So I'm sure we could psychoanalyze it all the way back to like, you know, being able to take my shirt off with my cousins when I was a little kid. But Mm -hmm. um, for me, I know that I fit somewhere along the masculine spectrum. And to get top surgery for me, not only would make me feel better, I've seen pictures where I look more flat chested than another Mm -hmm. pictures. And I've I've never felt more confident about myself. Meanwhile, at the same time, like, I think just having my chest, which is something that's super a very hot topic for me because mm-hmm. I just hate the fact that I have it. Mm. It's just a, a way of being able to pass. I definitely feel like part of my confidence comes from other people seeing me the way I wish I could identify. Mm. And I am unfortunately someone who naturally has a large bust. Mm-hmm. And uh, no matter what I do to hide it, it's just not an option for it's me. I, I always pass as just a really butch lesbian. Right. Which is what's interesting about why I as your friend, I would say at least 80% of the time go she and then I'm sorry, he. Right. Because Which thank you, by the way. It's an, of course, you know, it's an age range. You know that because of um, me knowing you first as a chick. Right. That I'm like, oh, the girl's doing the podcast. And I'm like, oh, shit, it's not girls anymore. Right. So, you know, when someone's been insulting and when right. somebody's made a mistake. I feel like a lot of people think that if you are accidentally misgendering someone and then correcting yourself, that's just as bad as just misgendering somebody. Right. But the fact that you are aware enough of pronouns to catch yourself and Mm. apologize speaks such louder volumes than I think anyone in the cisgender community understands. Cisgender is not identifying as any version of trans. Mm -hmm. But it really is just the fact that you, by saying, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that, what I'm hearing and what I would like, if I am speaking for the rest of the community what it says is I'm at least aware of pronouns. At the very least, yeah. that's such a milestone in and, this world. And also I care about your feelings. Right, right. You know, and I find it was just like when I would do insult comedy and white people would get offended for African-Americans jokes. Sure. And it's like, no, they can speak up. <laughs> so I think with with trans people, maybe sometimes their partners or their friends get more defensive, which I totally get because you want somebody to be protective and to have right. your back. And I'm very so, lucky. I do have that. So, yeah, I mean, and it's but you can always like with my comedy when I used to do comedy, it was like they always knew what the intention was. Right. So the I remember you said to me years ago, you said, you're probably the only person I would let call me a tranny. <laughs> and right. I'm like, yeah, and, and that's because I never would. Right. You know, as a joke, definitely. And like, and I know that like, especially in the world of, you know, political correctness, of course, like, maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> it's <laughs> probably ideal if you don't. Right. But at the same time, I, I, I do know that like, there's absolutely no ill will that any, I mean, since we've met, I feel like you and I have just kind of connected in that, like there's an understanding and a respect and there's never any harm meant from either of us. I also think people apologize. Mm -hmm. That's like, meaning I've been mistaken for a man over the phone so many times because of my voice. I've been (laughs) lucky. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one thing, too. You have a very, you have a girl voice. I know. You know? I know. It's just like, I okay. It. Well, I wish we could trade voices. Yeah. But it's definitely. just like so weird. And I'm just like, oh, they didn't mean it any harm. I remember once I used to own a home at Canyon Ranch, which is this, this she-she health spa in Tucson. And a lot of rich people go there. I never really identified with them because I was just like, oh, I'm kind of like 
a, a person with money who grew up kind of normal, so it didn't affect me. Right. But I remember once this poor waitress, because the waitresses had to be so, you know, well-mannered and everyone was rich, so you had to treat them like they were gold. And I remember she ran – it's always women who go there. Mm-hmm. There's maybe the occasional guy. And that's a mistake. She ran up to a table and she goes, oh, what will you ladies have? And it was a male-female couple. And she says, oh, I'm sorry. And um, the woman complained and said, I think you need to fire that girl. She called my husband a she. And I'm like, how insecure is he and right. you that you think that that's an insult? Yeah. I, so isn't it interesting the way, no matter what- It's like, what, it's funny how it happens one time to you, but it happens to me a hundred <laughs> times and no one's gotten fired for oh, it. Oh, <laughs> damn it. I'll fire Eva. Good, That'll great. be good. <laughs> By the way, I'd like to point out that I have borrowed Em and Christine's assistant, Eva, for the week because yeah. they aren't doing anything now that they stopped touring. So I'm like, can I borrow <laughs> Eva and she can like take pictures of me and make me look super cute? It was, I felt like I was on the other end today because usually I'm used to Eva answering calls about how to get to venues and things like that. And yeah. I called her being like, how do I get there? What do I right? do? So I it, feel like we're in a weird space right now. You're definitely the middle of our Venn diagram, Eva. You're yes. Right there in the you go. Of our work. Well, you know what I like? too is like i got super special feminine dressed up for you i wore my wig oh because i was like okay like em is gonna wear her butch outfit his butch outfit see (laughs) sorry i feel like by being in my current skin i am wearing my butch yeah that's true that's true and i'm gonna try to be a girl thank you at least you're making me look a little more masculine (laughs) for once but isn't it funny? It's like, you know, my, my friend Frank DeCaro just put out a book recently in June or in May uh, called Drag, and it's a history of drag and show business. And I was reading it, and I was very moved because they were talking about how they tried different things on to find out who they really were. Right. And I got moved because I was like, well, I'm like playing with these different like outfits now and different hair and wigs and makeup. And seeing like who I really am. Right. So that's on such a small level compared to guys doing drag, compared to trans people who have to figure out who they are. Sure. Like I feel like, boy, did I dodge a bullet. I was able to just kind of, you know, be a woman or different versions of a woman. Do you feel like there's a lot of victimhood and martyrdom that sort of comes with this thing? I don't think it does for you because you don't seem that way. But do you find people get very like, I have it so hard? Probably. I I surround myself, first of all, with a lot of cisgender people. So they don't really get to use that excuse. But in the times that I have talked to other trans people, I think we just kind of have a – you know how some people, you you look at each other and kind of have the nod of like, Mm. oh, you're in it with me. Oh, There's a – it's been really nice that at most of my shows that we just did, we just did 44 shows, I think, oh in four months. Wow. And at almost every show, there was at least one trans person or one non-binary person saying, thank you for letting me feel like it's okay to be struggling. Wow. And so I do think that, you know, it's tough, but I haven't ever heard anyone really boohooing about it. I think it's just this is the cards we're dealt with and we're making it work. And mm. we're lucky to be in this part of the world and in this part of time where it's more accepted than it was before. So yeah. I think we're finally getting our voices heard. And I mean, if there's any takeaway from it, it's if you're an ally, just be respectful of their their journey and respect their pronouns. And Right. So did, did you see um, a friend of mine who's an author just did an event and they put on their name tags, their pronouns? I love that. And it was three. Okay. So what are the three? It's Well, so it's she, her, he, him, and they, them. And then there So are, you each have three pronouns. Are there three different people or one person? One identity? person. So that's just a person. I I am such a poor ally in knowing the actual word, but there are people who identify just kind of all inclusive, a fluid gender. I, I don't know that oh, word. I don't like want to speak for them. Yeah. I'm like a he, she. Yeah? Just in life. Good. No, no, you, I think I'm a she. Flop. I'm so far I'm a she. <laughs> who knows what will happen? I currently am going, as yeah, in case you? people are wondering, mm-hmm. I am going publicly as they, them until I figure my stuff out. But since I do identify as more masculine, I'm having my close friends and family call me he, him. So, oh, that's good. Well, so do they just, have to say he, him or do they just say he? It's like, it's he slash him just so you know what pronouns to use given any sentence. So I, okay. you would say he or... Uh, you know, that's his. Give know. me a sentence. I feel like it was called. Give me a Give sentence. Give me him right. in a sentence. How about He go. is transgender and we love him anyway. Oh, I only love him extra because. Anyway, despite his problems. <laughs> despite the disgusting despite the- that baby Jesus hates him. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> now, were you brought up religious? No, I was raised by a Catholic and a Jew. So oh, wow, I got okay. a combination. Right, um, right. 
they're both very accepting. I know my, I, I actually haven't actually officially come out to my dad yet, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird because I've been so in the limelight about this on my own social media and with yeah. our show. Um, and my dad still doesn't actually know. I tried telling him at one point that gender and sexual identity are two different things and mm-hmm. I watched his brain kind of explode. So I just don't know if he's ready for that talk. But then at the same time, I'm wondering, why do I need to come out? You know, cisgender people don't come out. Maybe you just kind of learn the pronouns along the way. That's true. So now tell me and the audience out there, what is the difference between gender and sexual identity? So sexual identity is who you are attracted to, it's who you want to sleep with. So That's... mine is nobody. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> so can I be just, I could be That's a called she- asexual, realistically. You know, let me tell you, right now I am. Yeah. But I have a feeling that okay. things are going to get stirred up. Oh, by goodness. Because I, the first time I noticed the stirring uh-huh. in seven years. What happened? When I saw the trailer about a year ago to Mama Mia 2. Really? And Pierce Brosnan there and it is. Colin, what's his name? And the other one. Colin first. First, I said, oh, yes. <laughs> I said, but they showed them all three in a row. And I said, bing, bang, bong. I said, okay. So maybe <laughs> there's threat, life in threat. the old girl. <laughs> then, so there's still some life in you yet. Yes. And then later, I started following Derek Huff on Instagram. And now that I'm a great ballroom dancer, as you know. I follow you on Instagram. Oh, I know you're all I'm about him. I'm obsessed with him. But then again, I look at him like a son. So I, it doesn't make me a molester. I'm just <laughs> saying that that is like sort of an ideal guy if I was 20. Sure. So I think I'm reliving my youth. Somehow. I hear you. So you, I like yeah, it. You know, that's what you, you do. You now. So if so, your sexual identity would be attracted to women. women so women and that's it. The thing that I guess confuses people who don't have to mm-hmm. struggle with either identity, sexual or gender, mm-hmm. um, is that if I currently present and sound as if I'm female, but mm-hmm. I'm saying I'm straight, that mm-hmm. blows their mind because yeah, right. it sounds like I'm a girl who's a straight girl because I look like a girl to them. Right. But uh, I would say I'm a straight man. Right. Because even though I look like a girl, I was just I'm just a guy that was born with the wrong bits. Is yes. All. The yes. wrong hormones hit me during puberty and I came out the wrong way. But I am a, a man that loves women. So that makes me a straight man, regardless of how I look. Now, your current relationship, mm-hmm. you, it was sounds like it was kind of love at first sight. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think this is fantastic. Now, tell the story. It's Christine, your partner on the podcast, yes. has a good friend. A college roommate all four yes. years. Yes. So and she came to visit. She came to visit. Uh, she spent a year in Tanzania. Wow. Um, and she was coming back, but she didn't have a place that she was really settled in yet. So she was just traveling and visiting all of her friends that she missed out with for the mm-hmm. year. Um, she came to visit Christine. And actually, several months before, like four months earlier, Christine had shown me a picture of her. And I thought she was just the prettiest mm-hmm. girl in the world. Yeah. And I remember telling Christine, if I ever get to meet her, I, I need to. Oh. And Christine was like, well, she lives in Africa. So I don't know if you're ever going to get that chance, but things worked out and she came to visit Christine and pretty much within that week we were dating. It was so cute. Yeah. I remember I took you guys out to dinner. <laughs> I remember and they that were day. like this kind of like, oh, we know we want to hold hands on the table, but we're not gonna. Like it was so cute. We were very nice. <laughs> it was adorable. Yeah. And she is really good for you, I think. She's great, especially on the the gender front. She's mm-hmm. probably my fiercest protector. Oh yeah. Um, she doesn't take any bull. Oh, tell them the story about what happened yesterday with the uh, scooters. Oh, so <laughs> we, uh, Allison, my girlfriend and I, we went to, we went to get, like, we were at a coffee shop and there were people, they were like some teenage boys, I, not really teenage, they were old enough to have a full structured brain. <laughs> and um, they were trying to figure out how to ride the scooters, like the bird scooters or the lime scooters. Mm-hmm. And we came out and we started explaining it to them and we we're like, oh, yeah, well, you just do this, this and this. And they said, oh, thanks. Well, is it how much does it cost or how do I pay for it? And we said, oh, you have to fill out all your credit card information. And one of the guys went, oh, that's gay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it's like, wow, you're a grown adult in 2019 where no one says that anymore. Right. Not even children. And we definitely present as a lesbian couple and you're calling us. You're saying something's gay right in front of us. And right. it didn't even phase them. And I watched Allison kind of a staunch feminist. Yes. I watched her start taking a couple steps like she was ready to verbally fight this guy and I had to pull her back. But Oh my God, that's nice though, that protection. She's so she's I never have to question her loyalty to making sure that I feel safe and respected. Now have you ever had anyone in your life 
parent-wise or growing up where you felt this safe and protected? When I identified as a lesbian, I felt like that with my mother. She was mm-hmm. my fiercest defender. Mm-hmm. Um, I think coming out as trans or some version of um, a, a gendered question mark, mm-hmm. I don't think she has fully embraced it yet. I think she accepts it as fact, but I don't think she loves the idea. Mm-hmm. She obviously loves me. I've never felt like she she loves me less. I have noticed that she struggles really hard with the pronouns, which for me feels like I'm not being properly supported, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. I know that she tries and she has definitely gotten better in the last two years since I said something to her, but I think if she had a perfect world, she was so content with me just being gay. And now there's, I think the difference between coming out as gay and coming out um, with your gender identity is that with your gender identity, it forces other people to change their behaviors because now they have to change their pronouns and they have to see you in a different way. And when I was gay, I was just, the only thing that she had to change visually was the thought of me walking down the aisle with a, a woman instead of a man. Right. And now it's, oh, you have to face the facts that I might have a beard one day or I might have not have my chest one day or right, things like that. Right. So it's I think so, yeah. she'll get there, but it's it's slowly happening. Right, right. Well, the M. Schultz, that's how you can find him yes. on all your socials. And when we come back with this episode of Let Lisa Help, we're going to talk to M about her big issue of the His. moment. Oh my God, see? I know, see? I know, I know. See? It's just because you're so pretty. Because <laughs> <laughs> my voice is so angelic. I know. Like a little are, flute. Are we going to talk to him about his big issue and it's not a penis. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. One day. Not yet. Fingers we crossed. always pray. <laughs> and uh, we are also going to be answering some questions from some people who want some coaching from us. We'll be right back with Let Lisa Help and M. Schultz. You're listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Curb Appeal. You know it when you see it. And with the Home Depot, today is the day for doing. Boost your curb appeal with the best brands at the best prices. From new garage doors to colorful flowers, exterior lights to a new coat of paint, inspiration to installation. You can do it or let the Home Depot do it for you. Visit homedepot.com slash services for more information on installing your next project. The Home Depot. More saving. More do it. U.S. only. See store for details. ET911. What is your emergency? A brutal murder that took place in Washington, D.C. To do what he did to four people, including a 10-year-old boy, is just beyond words. A family and their housekeeper held hostage and tortured for 19 hours before their mansion was set on fire with them inside. It's just hard to imagine that such a nice family could be the victim of something so depraved. In WTOP's 22 Hours, An American Nightmare, you'll be shocked by the new details of this heinous crime, and you won't believe how investigators brought the killer to justice. He did not act alone. Mark my words. Download 22 Hours, An American Nightmare, with new episodes every Monday on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And now back to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody. Lisa Lampanelli here, the queen of meaning. Yeah, that's right. I got meaning in my life and I'll put some in yours. I am here (laughs) with my special guest co-host, M. Schultz. He is the fabulous other half of And That's Why We Drink, the podcast available on iTunes, Apple, every place where you find your podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Everywhere. Are you guys taping right now? We are in two days. We're doing a crossover episode with some of our friends. Oh, how fun. Yeah. This is a good podcast. This is something that every millennial needs, and I'll tell (laughs) you why. They found the secret formula. You get yourself some wine, you get yourself some crime, you Mm -hmm. get yourself some uh, paranormal activity and a transgendered person who's working on themselves (laughs) and a blonde chick and boom, I don't think you could have a more of a millennial's wet dream. It really is like the perfect amalgamation of just everything a, a millennial would want. And yet, you know what's great about it? It all happened organically and naturally. That's very true. And when everybody asks me, how do I change my career? What do I do? I go, it has to develop naturally, but open your eyes to see what you enjoy, right. see what you like in life and go, ooh, because that's how you guys started the podcast. Truly. The podcast is like 45 million downloads, yet never dreamed it would be that, right? Not at all. We actually, uh, I think we agreed that 
if in five episodes uh, someone other than our parents were listening, maybe we would keep going. But yeah. we, we really thought that it was just going to be um, a hobby to get to know each other. When we first started the podcast, we weren't even really friends. Right, right. And uh, we thought, well, this would be a good way to bond and get to know each other. Right. And it just kind of took off that way. I think the real secret was the fact that people get to watch our friendship develop. I love that because you even performed the ceremony at my nephew Blaze and Christine's wedding. Yeah. How cute was that? It definitely was a full circle of not knowing to being the third person at the altar. So that was very cool. <laughs> and you did a great job. Thank Every, you. No one there could tell it was your first wedding. I, it was really beautiful. I appreciate that. I like that now people, when people ask about, oh, am I sir or ma'am or Mr. or Miss? I can just go reverend. Oh, I love that. Want to know what's cracked me up to? My mother's 89 years old. She's like, what's his name? She got your pronoun, right? I love it. So you know what? Old people out there, God bless you. And young people. We've got, I uh, babysit a kid. He's actually Allison's younger, somehow relative cousin, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he's only two or three, but has never been told pronouns. Just Mm -hmm. from the beginning has always seen me as, oh, I love him. He's so nice. Oh my God. Yeah. Which is not true because you're not that nice. I'm pretty awful. I know you're terrible. At least you nailed the pronouns. But I just like that you picked me up from the airport yesterday. I did. We oh. had a nice talk. <laughs> we sure did. I did it because you told me your dog would be there. That exactly. Was- <laughs> Everybody wants to meet Parker the celebrity. Now, I like on this show talking about what my co-hosts and I are struggling with and working on at the moment. And we kind of bonded in the car on what? Emotional eating. Exactly. You guys know my life, okay? I lost 107 pounds. I've been keeping it off for freaking seven, eight years now. Every day is a pain in my ass. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it never ends, but that's okay. The whole thing is like, we're going to be working on this stuff till the day we die. Sure. But it won't be as much of a struggle in 10 years as it is now. Right. So when did it dawn on you that emotional leading was something you were working on right now? Uh, well, it's gone in phases. I think recently was we've been touring and that was a real breakthrough for me where I just had nothing to do but sit in a hotel and Mm. I was just eating for the sake of eating. Or we, in this round of our tour, we have had unique shows at every stop. So we've had to do a lot of extra um, behind the scenes work. And Mm. that required us to be in a lot of either coffee shops or our hotel room. Mm. I think purely just to break free from work, I was just like, well, there's nothing else to do. I don't have enough time to go explore. None of my friends are here. I might as well just snack on something. And then the snacks got bigger and bigger. Yeah. (laughs) And and it's interesting with food. It's seems so harmless at first. Yeah. It's like, oh, just one bite. And then it's it's an entire cheesecake. (laughs) I I think the great thing about, you know, when I give the workshops on emotional eating, which by the way, to shamelessly plug, I am doing a huge food and body image workshop at Kripalu in the Berkshires in November. So go to my website, lisalampanelli.com to sign up for that. I'm telling you, everything we put in our mouth, we almost now as emotional eaters have to say, am I actually physically hungry? And some people, and I was, were so out of touch, I couldn't even figure out when I was physically hungry. Right. So now it's like, okay, if I'm not hungry, what am I hungry for? Exactly. We talked about that in the car last night too. I know. What I loved is like, am I hungry for, I mean, I don't mean to sound this sort of like, you know, (laughs) But am I hungry for affection or a hug or connection with someone or what's the craving that's really there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because, again, you can't get enough of what you don't really want. And we don't really want the food. Right. We want the connection. Yeah. And yes, we're always going to go to a uh, I hope we'll always be invited to a birthday party and eat cake. Sure. I mean, we're not going Oh, that's emotional eating. No. Right. It's when we're filling the hole inside but they can never be filled with food. Exactly. I do think that uh, regardless of wherever I've stood, I mean, I've done the dieting and then falling mm-hmm. off the wagon and then mm-hmm. getting back on. And I'm I'm always somewhere in there, but I never believe in just the strictest eating ever where you can't enjoy right. some food. It just doesn't work. That's when you lose a ton of weight, of course, because you're right. black and white thinking and then you gain it right back. So with gray thinking, it's great because it's like, oh. I love that gray I, thinking. Yeah. It's like I ate those. I ate that box of whatever yesterday and that's okay and I'll do better tomorrow or I won't. Right. It's that yelling at ourselves. It just doesn't work. And I was telling this to you yesterday too that I think something I struggle with is that it's like you said, filling a void or filling mm-hmm. a craving that isn't being met. But at the same time, for me, food represents love because that's how oh, I yeah. grew up. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, I, I'm craving love. So the obvious choice would be food. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, when I'm I genuinely hungry, the way that I hang out with my friends and I take my girlfriend on dates, it's always food centric. So 
That's why I like following you on Instagram because there's always food. It's always and food. I love that. I'm like, oh my god, delicious. And my problem is I don't I don't want that to ever change. I have so yeah. much fun trying new things and going to new mm-hmm. restaurants. So there is that fine line that I walk of. Oh, do I give that up or can I explore and also find a way to whether it's portion control or just picking smarter choices. I don't want that to leave part of my life. And I don't think it has to because I know for a fact that there are people and they're all French who (laughs) eat small amounts responsibly and they just love food. And I think it's just we as emotional leaders just sort of go glom, glom, glom. Mm -hmm. But I think allowing that gray area like you're talking about coming, going, I still like to go to the restaurant. I'm not going to not try some delicious restaurant because I'm like trying to lose a few pounds. Mm -hmm. What's going to enrich your life more? The experience. Right, of course. And I really, I, I mean, food has just been such a big part of my life, which I feel like everyone says that. But my upbringing was that my mom was always traveling. My dad and her were always kind of butting heads. And so mm-hmm. I think the way that they both wanted to show me love was like, hey, I can at least cook for you. Or, hey, I'm not going to be home tonight, but here's this like really big pizza that you get all for yourself. And mm-hmm. then family... uh my mom is one of five and my dad is one of four and my mom's Jewish. So just culturally, oh, they're yeah. just nothing but carb loaded, starchy, heavy, hearty foods, which mm-hmm. all represent love. And if you don't eat something, one of everything, then then you've heard everyone. Then you've heard everyone. You've ruined Christmas. Exactly. But you're Jewish. So you've ruined. <laughs> but I'm also a Catholic. So I ruined, oh my God, I ruined Christmas ruined too. Yeah. And then and then you're gay on top of it. And then whatever identity. Look, it's always a spiraling event yeah. in my house. <laughs> Now, do you find with your love of food, do you look towards it as like, okay, if I actually notice Mm -hmm. and don't judge myself and don't yell at myself, I can just see myself kind of getting this under control because some people just feel despair. I feel feel like I can never do this because you, by the way, you are not overweight to a huge extent. Like, oh, thank you. I mean, that sounds that sounds actually (laughs) really like a horribly bad compliment. Like, Like, you're you're not not horribly heinous. Too fat. No, you're just you're not. You're not. You're uh, you're fat. You're skinny for a fat person. (laughs) Yeah, I know. No, but you know how with some people they look like it's like oh my gosh they've had this. It looks debilitating, or it looks like maybe they've struggled a little longer. Yeah, right. And I I think this comes out in. I, we were talking about this in a different world yesterday, but mm-hmm. when it comes to business, I'm very, I'm pay more attention to the small details. Mm. And uh, when it comes to numbers and things like that in my career, but when it comes to my personal life, I'm the same way where I don't have to look in the mirror and feel larger. It's just, oh, my shirt's a little tighter mm, or, right. oh, I, you know, I, I'm all of a sudden a size bigger when I'm shopping now. I didn't realize right. that it, it's small things like that. I remember when I first moved out here, I was a size medium mm-hmm. and now I'm a size extra large. Right. And right. so, and I remember those, those two instances where I went from medium to large and large to extra large. I remember those couple of weeks of denial where I was like, oh no, I can fit. I'm just bloated. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, no, you need to yeah, just start yeah. wearing a different shirt. Right. So uh, it's little things like that, that kind of make me aware of it. And I think that's better. I would rather find out that way instead of look in the mirror one day and be like, what happened? Well, you know what I like about exactly how you're talking about it? You're not using the sizing or weight as a hammer to beat yourself with. You're going, it's a tool. Clothes show me if I'm gaining right. some weight that I don't want to, and I can either do something about it or not. Because clearly you're, you're, you're not in a health risk unless you know you have something. It's just like, well, I'll see if I want to do something differently. And right. uh, again, there's not that angry talk that I hear so many emotional leaders do because they're so upset and they've been living this life of just like, I'm never going to win this. I think eventually I'm going to win it. I just think I don't mm-hmm. have the motivation yet. And I don't know what, I don't know what rock bottom I'm going to have to hit, mm-hmm. but I, I do kind of how you, you sexually feel a stirring within you. Yeah. Uh, I feel <laughs> some sort of weight loss stirring in me. And I think mm-hmm. that actually does bode from, uh, the, my whole, the trans section yeah. of my life. Cause yeah. If I do want to get surgeries, I do have to match a certain weight just for mm-hmm. it to be healthier. And so I think e- even by necessity, maybe I'll be losing a lot of weight soon. But I love that you said that because they say usually with a big change, like a weight loss or anything like that, any big change we need to make, there has to be a big why. Right. And your why might be, hey, I need these operations and I really want this. Right. And sometimes I say to people who call me for coaching, I'm like, why do you want to lose right. 30 pounds? Well, I want to be healthy. That, that's not. That's <laughs> it's so somehow vague. not enough. It's somehow it's so, not enough. It's never enough. That healthy thing. You have to have had a heart attack, and sometimes right. not even that. So a lot of the times, until you have the big why, you can't really do it. What you really want is the feeling 
and the confidence of being 30 pounds less. So working on the feeling mm-hmm. is so much better. Like uh, Wayne Dyer had this great book and he said in it, okay, you don't want the million dollars. You want the feeling of having a million right. dollars, which is safe, secure, supported, protected. Wow, yes. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> so it's not really just about the money or the weight. It's about right. It's a I'm facade okay. for the reality. Yeah. I uh, my my big motivator these days. I've noticed probably in the last week or so that I have been making healthier choices. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out what my aha moment was or mm-hmm. what was causing me to have a behavior change. And I think I started realizing before I ate everything, I was like, would you rather eat that or would you rather have a flat chest? See, that's huge. That's really big. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. it's motivating me that way where if I eat this, I got to probably, I got to work that off before I can get surgery. So are you saying I can have a flatter chest if I eat better? I'm saying you should have a couple carrots instead of a couple cakes. <laughs> so. Oh my God. I just got advice. I'm so proud. Let <laughs> M help. Let M help. Yeah, yeah. Now, speaking <laughs> of which, I have a couple people who these questions might be up your alley. You might be able to help them. And hey, I might even be able to weigh in. Sure. So these are from fans of mine who feel I am some sort of a life coach and actually might be able to get some free help out of me. They just want want the free help. I know. (laughs) And they always flatter me. That's what I like. The first sentence is always, you're so great. Okay. (laughs) Hi, Lisa. First off, I love your work. You're hilarious. Okay, there we go. And a huge inspiration to me. My question is, I heard you talk about LGBT Ooh. and I am bisexual. How does one open up more about it and not be afraid to talk about it? Now, that is a fantastic question because I don't know. <laughs> I am going to go so make, to you're my guest M. Schultz Got to it. tell you bisexuals out there. How you get your words around it. Seriously, it sounds like any big announcement to anyone, Mm -hmm. whether they're in a family that's racist and they're bringing home a black girl. Right. Any huge announcement is big, but this is a biggie. Oh, yeah. So how did you from your own, what, what did it take to get you to open up? I think it was just at some point there was... A moment where I just couldn't live hiding a secret that big anymore. I felt Mm. like I was losing my relationship with my family and friends by making up stories. Mm. And it wasn't like I wanted to lie to them. It was just for my safety or my mental sanity because I didn't I wasn't ready to have to deal with this big, quote, problem if there was going to be one. Right. I think I there was a moment where it was worth the risk. My sanity, it it was worth having if I can only have one. Um, I needed my sanity even if my family didn't accept me. Wow, I love um, that. Which isn't a, like a great answer because it's like I hope a 50-50 chance, but at well, the same time. Yeah, the fact is you nobody ever has to say who they are, who they're having sex with, what they're doing in their bedroom. The problem is when you're no longer comfortable with the pain, as right. Wilson Phillips said in that classic hold on. Right. But I, I love that because if you're comfortable with the pain, you're not going to change. But like you said, you couldn't live with the lie. Yeah. And even if it was a lie you weren't saying outwardly and you were even if you didn't even have boyfriends right. or girlfriends, it's like you just wanted to be who you were and say it out loud. Well, luckily for me, when I came out as gay, I kind of I'm actually really lucky that in my family, I'm one of probably 10 LGBT people. Uh-huh. So I had gotten to watch some other people get the the rough questions and then by the time it was my turn i you know people were a little more lax about it so that helps where i was like the risk isn't as high anymore because i'm i'm one of many i'm not like on my own yeah um which is another big part to answer that question is if you find common people like you mm. you you don't feel alone anymore one of the biggest problems i think a lot of people have when they're discovering their identities is that they feel like they're alone because the who do you talk to without the fear of them telling everybody before you're ready? Right. So I think a lot of people feel like they don't have a community to, to fall back on. So sometimes maybe an answer to this question is sometimes find the uh, a support group or a therapy group or just a freaking just a friend. group of friends. Yeah. yeah. Or one friend who you can just say it out loud to. And mm-hmm. just, it'll almost get easier every time. It's it like, does. It, and it, it's it's always hard to say it out loud at first, but you start caring less about people's opinions because you've already got a, a backup. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> a, yeah. I remember that. when I came out as gay to my friends, I came out to who I thought might be the gayest of my friends that was also closeted, right. hoping that we would come out with, to each other and then we would have each other when we were coming out to other people. And so I kind of started asking in advance a couple months before my friends' opinions on how liberal they were. That way I kind of had an idea of who I could come out to first so I would have a nice community to tell the people that I thought might take it harder. 
That's really great. And you know, it's almost like if you want to try anal sex, okay, you should start small. I you would imagine. I'd hope the so. Prostate exam. And then you go for the gold. You start with a pinky and you end, and with, you end a up log. with a log. I don't know how it works. And <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it is interesting. Like, you have to almost warm up. Truly. Yeah. You know, y- you're an athlete. You definitely want to rely on people that you know are going to be there for you. So that way, when you're talking to the people that you can't really guarantee that with, you still don't feel alone at the end. And you know what's interesting? Then when somebody doesn't get you, quote unquote, yeah, it'll still hurt. And that's what the thing is, Mr. Phoenix, Arizona, who we're talking to. Guess what? It'll still be sad mm-hmm. if they don't get it. Right. And they'll, you'll still feel like you it's a loss because right. any kind of change has loss in it. But you'll feel the grief. You'll stop crying someday and you'll go, oh, thank goodness I have who I do have. Because exactly. nobody's really alone. No, nobody is. I think people are just afraid to, I don't even know if they're afraid. I think everyone just doesn't know who they can reach out to to find out that they're not alone. Right, right. Well, you know what? I would like to pat myself on the back and okay. I'll tell you why. Here we go. I have avoided making so many gay jokes for the last 45 minutes. I, I've seen and your, your like, eye twitching. Guys, and I was conf- you guys have to realize <laughs> Lisa Lampanelli did comedy for 31 years. Plus, I have a plethora of gay friends and we all call each other crazy names. And guess what? I've been really well behaved. I want to just say you're, I'm truly a life coach and I've evolved. You're very much joining the Rainbow Crusade here. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I have another question. Great. This is from Jason. It says, now this is actually a very well-written letter and it's very funny. So I, we must read it, but it is very uh, big issue. Okay. I'm sitting on my in my beige-colored cubicle with beige walls, snagging on something that was supposed to be celestial chicken <laughs> from our cafeteria that somehow looks beige to match my inner self. Oh, this wow. This guy should be a writer. Yeah. If I could use a tangible object, my insides are a bulky, scratchy beige sweater that seems to never fit right. Wow, everything's beige. Yes, it was kismet because I also had weight loss surgery and lost 178 pounds, and four years later, I've gained a ton back with the addition of a layered tier Miramisu of emotional issues and trauma that have sent me spiraling back into my insecure, gay, destructive, chunky self. The question is, how did you navigate the roadblocks either in dealing with leftover emotional layers that were difficult to shake off Mm. after your surgery? Now, that's the thing. We've all had these layers that we've put fat on top of. Not all of us, but a lot of us with weight issues have layered our issues with food, with fat to protect ourselves. And when I had the weight loss uh, surgery, Jason, I personally was like, okay, I'm going to start working on that emotional crap now so I don't gain it back. That's so smart. But dude, it still like comes up every once in a while and I got to go, okay, you're lonely, you're anxious, you're sad for whatever reason, try not to go to the food. And Does it if help? You do you forgive yourself? Yeah. And if you do, it's just like yesterday, I knew it was going to be stressful. Mm-hmm. I knew I'm going to be flying in. I'm going to be flying with the dog. Right. Who, by the way, with, by the way, with like five fucking suitcases as big as my house. <laughs> And he doesn't, by the way, one, one whole suitcase was Parker stuff. He doesn't take a tranquilizer. So I said, this is going to be an emotional trip. So I go, you got to watch your eating because, you know, I know that's the first thing I'm going to go to. Right. So I end up eating. That JetBlue is the devil oh, because sure. they have unlimited little bags of snacks. Unlimited and they're all somehow delicious. You oh, every one of them. Don't expect that from airplanes, but right? JetBlue so, really nails it. Well, here's the problem. They have one of their bevy of snacks is these little chocolate chip cookies that are so great. And I have seen the evils of sugar in the last week Mm -hmm. because with this weight loss surgery, I personally feel if I eat too much sugar, I'm down for the count for about 12 hours in the bathroom. (laughs) So I said, okay, I'm going to, I know this is a stressful day. If you need the snacks, it's okay, but no sugar because you know it'll wreck you. So I let myself have what I wanted. That's good. I didn't eat the damn cookies. Was it a huge win? No, but it was a 50% win. I think it was. Ah, It was good to avoid what I knew would put me down. Would the perfect person have not eaten snacks? Yes, but guess what? Sometimes you go, I'm emotional. That's what I'm going to do. Today's a different day. Right. So I think what Jason, what you need to do is go, 
what am I using food for? You know, it's PTSD, as you know, you know that you have abusive things going on in your past. You got to get to that shrink's office and you know, you got to get a shrink. And I know I'm talking to this guy, Jason, when I say a smart one who can outsmart and out talk you because he's <laughs> so good at spinning a tail. I mean, we just listened with the whole beige story. I'm already right? suckered in. Yeah. Like, this guy should write. I had to find a shrink who was so brilliant because I could talk my way out of any challenges she would give me. This one now, she's like, I'm going to challenge you on that. And I have to listen because I know she's smart. But that's that's what you need. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's so – it's funny when people lose weight or get weight loss surgery, they think their lives are going to change and everything's perfect. And it's like, oh, no, there's still problems. And, you know, I know this because have you ever – okay, you got the podcast. Sure. You're clearly making some money. Okay. You clearly, well, you know, I'm assuming because of the, I'm not broke. Either that I'm... Or you have really crappy agents. <laughs> um, what it is, is you see that the happiness wears off. Yeah. And then it's just you. It's, it's the, the magic wears off. That's what Definitely. it is. Cause what I was watching, uh, it was funny because right after the surgery, you know, I was like, oh, like, you know, there's that magical year of like, oh, I've never thought of that hundred pounds in like nine months. And oh, my God. And then eventually the you're just like, oh, I'm a skinny bitch. Well, guess what happens then? I'm watching Oprah because I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is back in the days when Oprah was on. And I was like, oh, my God, like I lost all the weight. Doesn't the work stop now? Right. And I was watching and thank God she had on one of the great spiritual leaders of our time. I'm talking, Who? of course, about Goldie Hawn. Oh. And Goldie said that she had read a study, and this is true, on happiness. Mm. And no matter what you acquire, whether it's a new house, a new body, a new car, a new job, eventually after about nine months, wears off and you just got you and you got to work on you. And look at, as usual, Goldie was right. <laughs> wow. I just want to say that we got to keep doing the S- <laughs> We have to keep don't cut that out because I want people to see I'm flawed. <laughs> finally, we see <laughs> something know, Finally, come out. she did something bad. We just got to continue excavating it. Because, by the way, the minute you get the um, chest surgery, mm-hmm. a year later, you're going to be so happy because you're like, oh, my God, now I have men boobs. Guess what? Something else is going to come up. And that's going to rock okay. my world probably. But that's okay because isn't that evolution? Isn't that what we need to do is unearth all that? It's Who true. wants to be that happy idiot who's out there going... I'm just fine. You're not. You're in <laughs> denial. Nobody likes you. I, I do wonder if that is going to happen for me because I know after a year, I think after top surgery, then I can finally go in the water and like oh, really? go swimming. So I think once I have like a big pool party a year after my surgery, then I'm going to be like, well, now what? Now I've just look good in shirts. And that's well, that's good. interesting because I have a friend who he's a straight guy and he just never liked that he felt he had a little flab up there. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I just want to get like that done up there. And it was about nine months in afterwards. He was like, "Mm, I still don't like the way I look. Really? And it's all an inside job. That's what I hate about all of it. It's like, is there never any easy fix? Because I don't think there is. But then you go, well, I kind of hate it, but I'm kind of glad because at least I accept it and I accept the challenge. Right. So you've had what people would call challenges. But I, not to sound super self-helpy, but I mean, they are all opportunities. Right. And do you think you're a more compassionate person because of this? I think so. I think it's taught me a little empathy. I've already, mm-hmm. I've talked to you privately too, that I'm just a, a naturally more empathetic person. Mm-hmm. So I think I already kind of had the groundwork laid out for me. Yeah. I think between being an emotional eater and being someone in the LGBT community, I cover a lot of people who are having a lot of internal struggles mm-hmm. and don't feel like they can reach out or talk to people about their problems. And with that, I definitely identify. I mean, I, right. I don't want anyone to feel alone in either of those things. Well, you know, it's funny with weight. It's everyone feels so much shame about it because it's something they supposedly could control. Mm-hmm. Like I always had shame about career and weight because I knew I should be in charge of those things. I should be able to be power through both. Right. But if it was my face or getting older or hair or whatever, it was like, no, oh, that's just me. I'm kind of, I have no shame about it because I didn't do anything wrong. Right. But I always go, oh, I ate too much and I couldn't keep my career going on the level I wanted to. I'll never sell out Radio City again. And it's like, yeah, well, I did it. So why should there be shame? <laughs> right. There's something in us that we have to know we're enough. I think uh, it's interesting. I sorry, 
I want to. Uh, Did you have to adjust your package? <laughs> yes, my my <laughs> zero inch package. Yes, mine's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I well now I lost track. Now I'm thinking about the package I wish I had. <laughs> um, which is and it's uh, someone made a joke recently that like I want dick more than anybody. And- oh, not more than you. <laughs> ask you about that just real quick yeah if you were to get bottom surgery sure are you allowed to pick how big it would be i th- i don't know much i about think this. i think you can i actually have been psychologically i don't think i can handle that process yet so okay. i haven't allowed myself to do too much research but what i have seen is that you can technically get up to a certain size but mm-hmm. that just means the recovery is Ooh. more risky because oh. they have to do something called urethral stretching. Yeah. Which is I've as horrible that. as it sounds. You've had that? Yeah. My <gasps> urethra is super f-ing huge. I'm not bragging. But <laughs> I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> How many inches are you? Wait a minute. 72. <laughs> so weird. But apparently the the bigger it is, the the more intense and invasive the surgery is. So so you feel like, okay, I'm going to like be responsible with my yeah, surgery. I mean, I'm not going to, like, pay thousands of dollars and be bedridden for four months to have, like, a micro dick. Yeah. But at the same okay. time, like... Good, good call. I w- I'd like to be able to pick whatever... Su- this is so weird talking about it in front of my assistant. I feel like I'm, like, sexually harassing well, she's her. She's my and- assistant this week. Okay, good. <laughs> Sorry, but don't sue me. Uh, just talking about my penis in front of my employee. Wow. Christine's well, going to yell at me later. <laughs> I think I think we've we've covered it all, haven't we've we? We've covered truly everything from head to head. Listen, yeah. I really feel like... I understand more and I like that you are compassionate enough with me and with other people to see intention and to see that people sometimes when they speak, it's just ignorance and it's just it's Archie Bunker versus someone who's a clan member. Right. <laughs> like this person just doesn't know. But this person actually has evil in their heart. I I do try really hard to be understanding. But I mean, as I mean, Eva sitting right here, she has seen me have almost a few breakdowns when we were traveling just between the TSA, which I could talk about for hours about how mm-hmm. transphobic they can be and uh, checking into hotels and having to show my ID and simply just sitting in Ubers and not wanting to talk to the driver mm-hmm. because I, I look male until I open my mouth and then all of a sudden I'm misgendered by another person. Or, well, it's listen, such small things. First of all, learn these tricks that I have. <laughs> Stop talking to anybody. Just keep your mouth shut. Here's what, no, you, with those freaking Uber drivers, God bless you. I love you all. But shut up. Nobody cares about you, Uber person. <laughs> put the headphones in and don't even put something on. Just ignore. Well, I just ignore. If there's one <laughs> takeaway I can give people that are allies of trans, <laughs> the trans community, I feel like I would be doing it injustice if I didn't say this into a microphone. But uh, I've had a lot of people say like, oh, no, well, I, I, I love trans people or I love the gay people. Oh, like, I love the no. LGBT community. And then they misgender me left and right without apologizing or even being aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess if I could scream at people about something, it'd be just because you support trans people. Just because you're not anti-LGBT doesn't mean you're being an ally. Yeah. Um, if, if I so could just, put your money where your mouth is, just, basically. Just, truly, actually, some of my friends, when I first came out, they... Um, when I first came out and asked them to change my pronouns just to keep themselves on top of it, mm. uh, they started misgendering themselves or their mm-hmm. friends that when they were talking directly to each other just so they could start picking up on how often people use pronouns. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, if for people who say like, I remember there was one time where someone misgendered me easily 10 times in the same sentence. And when I said, hey, you misgendered me about 10 times and they said, oh, well, you're just being sensitive. <gasps> It's like if I okay, if I use the wrong pronoun for you mm-hmm. ten times in a row, it would drive you crazy by the end of the sentence. God Almighty! See, that's just wrong. By the way, if anyone hurts one's feelings, you have to apologize immediately. <laughs> like if to I say, say, if say you're being I, sensitive, <laughs> yeah, that is the worst. That is like they were brought up so badly because their mother never let them have feelings. So right. I have a little compassion for them, but they need to be reeducated. Right? If you cannot say. The sentence you're being too sensitive should never come out of anyone's mouth ever. Ever. I I, I had an incident recently where someone said something mean and I overheard it about myself. And I said to him, I'm so proud of myself trying to really not use anger anymore. It's difficult, but I try. I looked at him and said, wow, that hurts my feelings. Wow. Oh, come on. 
Oh. Da, 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 this this masculine stuff. And I just go, no, no, no. I just said you hurt my feelings. And I just also for you, that's a big thing to stuck with it to just actually drive home an emotion in such a. Oh like my a, god, it was so hard. Adult I way. To, well, because I could have taken him apart piece by sure. piece because. As a former insult comic, like, I know your hot buttons. Like, right. I know, honey, right. where to go. And he just would not go for it. And by the end of the night, he comes up to me. This is so bad. My shrink was dying. She goes, you're never going to be around him again, right? And I'm like, right. He goes, uh, by the way, I'm sorry if I hurt. No, I'm sorry if I got you mad. <sighs> and I go, I was so proud. I go, um, okay, like, first of all. It's that because it's not an if. Right. You did. And you didn't make me mad. You hurt my feelings. So do you want to try again? Right. And he goes, sorry that I hurt your feelings. And then like I a five year old. Then I turned into a real C word and I was just like, turns the back. Right. <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing. It's like just people listen to me out there. Just freaking apologize. Don't be stupid. There were so many people. I'll just give one quick story. I tried getting one of my friends was it was not clicking that I needed the pronouns to change. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was being told that I was being too sensitive. Oh, boy. And uh, and then I said, well, how about for as long as it takes you to start properly gendering me, I'll just misgender you. So you at least hear how often pronouns are really being heard, which is a great idea, by the way. Well, her response was, Mm. "Mm, I don't think I would like how that feels. And I was like, welcome to the world that i live oh my god congratulations you've you've nailed it and you're still up my pronouns see isn't that crazy yeah just if you're making anyone sad stop right that's like some great advice (laughs) that's coming from an insult comment guys yeah like (laughs) honestly i remember making someone sad in one of my shows because i saw his face shift to sadness and i called him backstage i had him come back and we talked and it was because i had made fun of something and one of his children had this particular thing and then we hugged and he gave me like an autographed thing that he had brought for me. And it was such a good meeting of the mind. Just say you're sorry. People, I'm not perfect. We all know I make mistakes. We all know we all make mistakes. Just say to the person, I'm sorry. Exactly. And guess what? It preserves a whole relationship and you don't have to be the dick bag all your life. The best thing I learned in my adult life was how to apologize. Like do it fast and with meaning. Oh, I love that. So, so listen, call me him and I'll see what it feels like. <laughs> Uh, you're such an ugly dude. <laughs> oh my God, the ugly part is what's up with me. He really thinks I'm ugly. Oh my God. Because you're, you're such a pretty woman. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I would make an ugly dude. I, I, I was trying to find a way to make it hurt a little so you'd get of, it. But no, I kind of enjoy it home and I have to go like, I don't know. I don't know. No, Listen, M, <laughs> I wanted it to mean something. I know you're very you're meaningful now. You're great. Great, no, great. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for again trying to impart some wisdom on people who just don't know better or people who are ignorant or dummies like me who just can't seem to get it right. I think you are a great example of somebody who has just a warmth and a joy in their life and you've gone through a lot and yet you don't carry it as a burden. You look at it as a gift. That's what I'm getting out of this. So he is a fantastic (laughs) part of a podcast called and that's why he and she drink wait that's why they drink and that's why we drink and you can find it where uh you can find us at and that's why we drink.com you can find uh we have all kinds of stuff our social media is atwwd podcast that's mainly where you can find us our socials and p.s best freaking merch in the world oh thank you you guys care about your merchandise like i used to back in the day i am so proud of you i wear your shirts constantly and i'm super proud that i'm only a size small thank you perfect one day we'll get it one day we'll make it and that's why we drink shirt with pronouns on it for you to wear he oh my she God, they I would love it and that's why every they drink and that's why everyone in the community drinks regardless of the color in the rainbow oh i love it seriously m schultz you are a gentleman well thank, thank you. you for coming what did we learn? Well, I think we learned a lot today, folks. We learned what kind of pronouns we should use, what pronouns we shouldn't use. We learned that I can actually restrain myself from making gay jokes when I'm with a member of the LGBTQ community. I also think we've learned that you can work on you if you're ready. If M and if Lisa Lampanelli, your hero, can work on themselves, so can you. So go to my website, lisalampanelli.com, for coaching info, to see one of my storytelling shows, 
or actually to attend any of my food and body image workshops, especially the one at Kripalu in the Berkshires in November, we are going to change your life. I do not promise to solve all your food and body image issues, but you will find some peace around those things. Thanks for listening. Let Lisa Thanks for listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. For more info on Lisa's storytelling shows, her workshops, and her life coaching services, go to lisalampanelli.com. You can also follow Lisa on the socials at Lisa Lampanelli. New episodes of Let Lisa Help are available weekly on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And if you love the show, make sure to leave a rating and review. Curb Appeal. You know it when you see it. And with the Home Depot, today is the day for doing. Boost your curb appeal with the best brands at the best prices. From new garage doors to colorful flowers, exterior lights to a new coat of paint, inspiration to installation. You can do it or let the Home Depot do it for you. Visit homedepot.com slash services for more information on installing your next project. The Home Depot. More saving. More do it. U.S. only. See store for details. And now, an ad from Dad. All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. AP News is sponsored by ADT. Real Protection is professionally installed smart home security backed by 24-7 monitoring. Our team will help you customize a system for your home, including video doorbells, indoor and outdoor cameras, smart locks, and lights that can be controlled from the ADT app or the sound of your voice. You can even help keep your loved ones safe on the go with location sharing, driving activity alerts, and an emergency SOS button through the ADT Go app. That's ADT. Real protection.